and welcome to Water Matters, a podcast from Euro, where we answer your big water questions. Where does it come from? Where does it go to? And what happens to it in between? I'm your host, Caroline Green, and today I'm with Xavier Lefebvre, and we are going to talk about water and financing the investment needed to maintain our water services. Xavier is the Principal Administrator for Water at the OECD's Environment Directorate, where he's been working for about 17 years on the topic. So, a little bit of background. Earlier this year in Euro, we identified eight challenges facing the water sector, ranging from the environmental, so protecting our water resources, to social and health, which is providing access to affordable water for everyone. Each of the challenges we identify is linked in some way to finance and investment. Across Europe, our water services are mainly financed through the three T's, taxes, tariffs and transfers. So, Xavier, are these sustainable or robust enough to finance the water sector to be able to meet the challenges posed, especially by, for example, climate change, and to meet the investment needed to ensure compliance under EU legislation such as the Drinking Water Directive or the Urban Wastewater Treatment Directive? Well, thanks, Caroline, for a very good question. But first, let me thank you for the for the invitation. Very happy to have this opportunity to talk to you and, and your constituency on, on these issues. Uh, indeed, the OECD has been promoting the three T's for quite some time, and we define them as what we call the ultimate sources of finance, meaning that there will be other sources, uh, others, uh, other financing sources uh, that will be available, but they will have to be uh, paid back. Think of loans, um, bonds and the like. Mm -hmm. uh, they can uh, contribute to financing water-related investments, um, but they will have to be paid back, and they will have to be paid back through a combination of the three T's. So, ta as you said, taxes, tariffs, and uh, transfers. Transfers, we mean transfers from the international community. So, essentially, in Europe, that would be uh, structural funds or, uh, you know, financing instruments from the European Commission. Mm -hmm. um, so, the point is that... Um, you can go a long way um, by mobilizing uh, the 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 3Ts. Um, that has to be done in a in a smart way. We see that uh, in a number of um, countries, especially the countries that have joined the European Commission more recently, um, they have been relying on the 30 uh, uh, transfers uh, mm -hmm. quite uh, heavily, mm -hmm. and we know that. Um, this funding for uh, water supply and sanitation investment from the European Commission will be gradually phased out. So this is a challenge for these countries because they now have to rely more uh, systematically on the first two T's, uh, which um, actually are domestic sources of finance, revenues from water tariffs and, um, and, and, and domestic taxes. Um, of course, uh, there are some issues uh, related to the combination of the treaties uh, that relate to um, the environmental dimension of water services. If we go on having more stringent uh, water quality standards uh, mm -hmm. for health reasons or for environmental purposes, obviously this will push uh, the costs of um, you know uh, building, operating, and maintaining water services up, and that can generate uh, further affordability issues across um, Europe. Mm -hmm. In essence, affordability is not a major issue across OECD countries. 
and uh, that's true uh, as well for European countries. Of course, uh, there will be some uh, affordability issues for small groups um, of the, I mean, small share of the of the population in mm-hmm. some countries. But um, in essence, most EU countries could do more by uh, raising revenues from uh, well-defined and, and, and sound tariffs. But still, if you think about uh, some of the costs that uh, water suppliers uh, will uh, face in the coming years or decades that would be driven by climate change, that would be driven by uh, new environmental and health regulation. It is likely that affordability issues will become um, more prominent. And that will generate some issues in terms of fairness. If you think about uh, the polluter pays principle, one of the emerging issue uh, in Europe about water supply and sanitation services is what we call the Contaminants of Emerging Concern, CECs. Mm -hmm. The more we looked into the water we have, the more we realized that there are contaminants such as, uh, you know, pharmaceutical residues, microplastics, and the cost of removing uh, these pollutants from from water can be uh, can be very very significant. Um, is it fair that these costs will be uh, essentially covered by uh, water users? This is an open question. This is probably one that requires uh, a political discussion, uh-huh. uh, which is fine. That's the role for for government. But um, some voices across Europe say, well, part of these. Um, I mean. Uh, some some industries think about pharmaceutical industries or, or chemical industry uh, should be held accountable for the fact that we find these uh, substances in our water streams and they should maybe uh, foot part of the bill. So uh, that would be an opportunity to uh, harness new sources of finance and um, potentially, you know, some sort of a distraction from the 3T uh, because if the chemical industry or big pharma is... Um, Incentivized to, you know, cover some of the costs related to treating CECs, it mm-hmm. means that the the 3T uh, will not be the only uh, sources of finance uh, anymore, and you can you can consider uh, new sources. So we see that as a as a as an interesting um, avenue, which makes mm-hmm. sense from an economic and social perspective. Again, I think this is essentially. A political discussion mm-hmm. uh, that needs to take place at uh, either national or probably uh, EU level. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy to be part of that discussion uh, as OECD if there is um, if there is an interest. Yeah, and I think we will be happy to see that discussion taking place too. And if we can participate, even better. Like the polluter pays principle and the control of source principles are two things that are very close to our hearts in in Euro. And um, so anything that we can see to to promote the polluter pay principle um, is is a positive thing for us. And so Xavier, the investment needs that you identified do not include a number of upcoming investment needs, such as the the cost for removing pollutants of emerging concerns, like you just mentioned, um, or the development of sustainable sewage sludge management systems. While we are Expecting more data from the ongoing Commission impact assessments relating to the Urban Wastewater Treatment Directive and the Sludge Sludge Directive, does the OECD have an estimate of these additional investment needs? Unfortunately, I mean, the short answer is no. Uh, you, you pointed out very uh, interesting and actually very challenging uh, developments. Um, the point is that the 
cost will very much depend on the type of policy um, and 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 technology that um, you know the countries, the municipalities or utilities uh, will uh, will consider. Uh -huh. uh, if you think about CECs, for instance, the only uh, so contaminants of emerging concern, the only country that has had a national policy uh, on the topic is Switzerland. So we we know the costs um, mm -hmm. of the Swiss uh, approach. Um, I think the overall estimate is the uh, capital expenditure of about 1.1 billion euro, uh, with uh, operation um, uh, expenditure of about 120 million per year. So if a country wants to follow the Swiss approach, uh, this is the magnitude of the of the cost. But there are mm -hmm. issues uh, on whether this is the most cost-effective way of, um, of dealing with CECs. And one thing we are exploring at the OECD at the moment um, Uh, alternative options which can rely on you know different policy different type of technology so uh, and as long as you don't have um, you know a clear reference or a model mm -hmm. uh, um, to deal with CCs it will be very difficult to have um, robust um, projections okay. same thing on um, adapt adaptation to climate change uh, mm -hmm. or flood, flood protection if you think about it there are many different ways you can Uh, protect against uh, flood risks. Some yeah. will be very costly if you want to build dikes and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and other reservoirs. Other may be uh, uh, cheaper, at least in terms of capex, if you think about nature-based solutions, floodplains um, or, or others. Mm -hmm. So when, when the diversity of um, policy responses is so large, it's very difficult to have uh, robust um, uh, cost estimate or projections. Europe is in the privileged position to be able to offer quality water services to almost all of its citizens. But still, the OECD issued a report last year on financing water supply, sanitation and flood protection, where you estimated that around 289 billion euros are still needed to be invested across Europe in order to bring our water treatment network up to standard, including our drinking water network. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Yes, indeed, and, and thank you for referring to that uh, uh, document, which uh, was a very, I, I hope, valuable cooperation between the OECD, the European Commission, and, and member states. Mm -hmm. And Euro actually was involved because we used some of the some of your data. I'll come I'll come back to that in a in a minute. Okay. So indeed, Europe is in a very privileged position, and um, I've been working on water uh, almost globally, and uh, it's really. Um, You know, impressive uh, uh, what uh, European countries uh, have achieved and 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 cont continue to to achieve when it comes to um, you know providing access to a reliable, uh, safe to drink, uh, potable uh, water and um, and robust sanitation services. Still, uh, there are a number of challenges ahead in the. Um, Um, research that you mentioned, mm -hmm. we identified uh, three essential uh, drivers, if mm -hmm. you like, for um, uh, further investment needs. One is urban population growth, and here the situation will be very different from one country to another. The other is uh, compliance. Um, mm -hmm. So compliance for water supply is is very high in I mean in, in most uh, European countries. Compliance with the urban wastewater treatment directive um, is more uneven. So there is still some uh, effort to walk the last mile and, mm -hmm. and make sure all countries will be will be compliant. And I, th I think we took 2030 as a, as a reference, as a target here for mm -hmm. compliance. We added one 
challenge, which is uh, efficiency in water supply uh, services. Because mm -hmm. if you think about it, with climate change and uh, public opinion being more aware of environmental issues, it may be difficult to continue to um, deliver uh, services with a poor level of efficiency and high level of leakage. So mm -hmm. we assume that uh, by 2030, all utilities will converge towards... We had two scenarios. One uh, at 10% of efficiency, which may be a little bit uh, demanding, um, and which frankly may not even make sense from a, from an economic perspective. And the other scenario is uh, 20% uh, mm -hmm. maximum of, of leakage. So we, we have used these drivers to project future investment needs. Now, there are a number of caveats. As you mentioned, we couldn't monetize cost of treating CECs. Uh, mm -hmm. We couldn't monetize the cost of more systematic uh, adaptation to climate change. Uh, we couldn't project... Um, the cost of uh, managing uh, sludge, uh, which which is which is a major issue, but we have no no data on this. I mean, no robust data that allows uh, international comparison across the 27 member states. Mm -hmm. The elephant in the room is actually that we know very little about the state of the asset. Uh, we don't know whether the current level of investment and finance allow for a proper uh, renewal of the asset base. On this, uh, I think Euro provided us with very interesting data. Uh, you are probably the best place to uh, collect that information uh, Thank you. Uh, in, in Europe. And uh, I mean it. The, <laughs> the, the point is that uh, roughly uh, half of your constituency don't have the answer. So mm -hmm. for half of the member states, we don't know uh, what is the current pace of renewal. Mm -hmm. And when you have the data, a significant part of EU members probably invest too little uh, mm -hmm. to renew the existing uh, asset base. In my home country, France, I think the, the data shows that it would take 150 or 160 years uh, to renew the existing asset base, which can be fine for part of the asset, like some of the big pipes, you know, the... And at Eau de Paris, we, we have mm -hmm. some, some data that shows that they, they, they can be reliable over 200 years. But for mm -hmm. other parts of the uh, network, um, this uh, cycle needs to be, um, you know, speed up. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's the, you know, appropriate rate of renewal, but it is very likely that uh, in most countries, the current practices are not up to the, up to the challenge. Mm -hmm. As a consequence, I would assume that our projection is an underestimate of um, what what needs to be done. A, uh -huh. because, as I said, most countries will probably have to accelerate the pace of renewal um, and they will have to uh, face new challenges. CECs, adaptation to a changing climate, sludge, sludge management. Mm -hmm. And still, with these conservative uh, projections, um, you will see that all EU countries need to increase their current level of expenditure by at least 20% in the coming mm -hmm. years. Wow. And for some countries like Romania and Bulgaria, that can be actually uh, 180%. So... Uh, almost multiplying by three the, the current level of expenditure, which you can imagine is an issue. Um, yeah. um, some countries are probably a better place to cover these uh, additional needs uh, because they already have robust financing instruments in place. Mm -hmm. um, and efficient uh, expenditure programs, the countries that will face the more um, difficult 
challenges are mm -hmm. the ones uh, which so far have heavily relied on the EU funding mm -hmm. because as we mentioned earlier we know that that source of funding will be uh, gradually phased out yeah. uh, and countries with um, uh, expenditure programs that may not deliver uh, actual benefits uh, on the ground and there are a couple of charts in the report if your uh, uh, constituency had the opportunity to, uh, to, to read it that show that uh, you know for some countries they would already allocate quite a, a significant uh, level of expenditure uh, mm -hmm. to water supply and sanitation services with poor performance uh, on the ground. So there may be issues here with the uh, efficiency um, of public expenditure programs. The good thing is that this is something that can be improved and that mm -hmm. actually doesn't cost additional money. It actually allows to deliver better for um, the same level of, um, of, of finance. So there is room for improvement on that front as well. Mm -hmm. Well, according to our latest research, um, we issued a report this year, Europe's Water and Figures, which is an update of a report that I think we did in 2019 um, or 2018. According to this report, our members invest about 45 billion euros a year in renewing infrastructure. And um, we know that it sounds like an awful lot of money, but it's not nearly enough to cover the rate that is needed to, to invest in and update and renew our infrastructure. So, but, but yeah. You're right, Caroline. It is already a very significant amount of money. And, uh, you know, the, I've, I've, on all these years, I've been hearing the water community saying we need more money. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, fine. But are we sure we are already making the best use of available resources. I think on that front, there is uh, still some room for, for improvement, which actually yeah. I would see as a prerequisite before we can you know, make a robust case for additional funds. Mm -hmm. um, Finances will be more likely uh, to um, you know, consider water as a financing opportunity um, if uh, they are convinced that the, the money that uh, is being used mm -hmm. uh, will actually uh, contribute to uh, improved services. The f and, and the first person, I mean, people, financiers who come to mind here are the water users themselves. I mean, the willingness to pay will increase um, mm -hmm. and, and always increases when uh, people see uh, better quality services, more reliable um, and responsive um, services. So the performance of utilities is uh, essential um, mm -hmm. to attract new sources of finance, be they, uh, you know, revenues from tariffs mm -hmm. or um, repayable finance through commercial loans or, or, or other means. So, Xavier, as part of the report that we just mentioned, the OECD report on financing water supply, sanitation and flood protection, the OECD looked at the issue of affordability, which we've just talked about an awful lot. Um, this is, of course, crucial for us as we provide an essential service. Already today, we can see a certain level of underinvestment in a number of countries and quite frequently social reasons are cited. How do you think this is going to evolve in the future? I think there are a number of misconceptions uh, about um, affordability and uh, what we try to do in that report is to provide some evidence to uh, uh, support or substantiate um, a, a policy discussion. Uh, some of the, I mean, the data we have collected indicate that uh, um, in most countries, I think there are maybe three or four exceptions, 90% of the population could pay more mm -hmm. for water supply and sanitation services. It doesn't mean that they should, 
but the point is that there is some room for maneuver. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that narrative that we have to keep tariffs low to address affordability uh, issues or concerns is actually misleading because uh, tariff low benefit 90% of the population who could pay more. Mm -hmm. And they actually uh, hurt the poor who would benefit from, uh, you know, extension of existing, of existing services and, and, and improved service. So... Uh, it's a mantra that is very relevant in uh, that emerged in developing countries, but which I think applies to uh, Europe as well. Cheap water hurts the poor, and I think that message should really resonate uh, and um, you know should should be conveyed uh, uh, further. At the OECD, uh, we strongly believe, or well, it's not a belief. I think it's really based on on hard science and, and evidence mm -hmm. uh, that the best way to uh, address affordability issues is to have tariffs that will uh, cover the costs of operation mm -hmm. and maintenance of the of the assets, probably covering also some of the uh, capital costs, and have targeted social measures that can actually uh, help address affordability issues for the for those in need. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, cheap water benefits 90% of the population who don't need that money, who don't need that support. Um, mm -hmm. This is really a missed opportunity, and uh, it, it, I think, uh, and that's especially true in European countries where these social programs or social measures, targeted social measures, can be implemented. You know, mm -hmm. uh, all European countries they have that administrative capacity to identify the households who need support and to mm -hmm. target uh, financial support to these uh, households. So, again, that's a message that comes out strongly from the from 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 the report, and I'm happy to emphasize um, one more time. Affordability for water services huge. It is a basic human right, and so we need to have access to affordable water. Everybody does. And so, Xavier, finally, if we're looking at Article 9 of the Water Framework Directive and um, the principle of cost recovery, if we cannot increase tariffs for social reasons and transfers and taxes are likely to, to drop in the future, then we have to turn to the polluter pays principle, as we mentioned at the very beginning of our, of our discussion. Um, do you think that the implementation of the polluter pays principle could and should cover the additional investment costs directly related to the pollution of drinking water resources and to wastewater? I think this is a very uh, valid question. Um, I, I would rather refrain from providing uh, a direct <laughs> and explicit answer. Uh, part of that debate needs to be uh, political, but in the in the you know noble proper sense of the term, you know who should be held accountable uh, for you know the, the the pollutants that we find in our in our water streams, mm -hmm. um, and who who the beneficiaries are. Uh, I think that these are very uh, valid questions. Um, and the polluter pays principle can help maybe uh, support that, um, that that discussion. Um, and we don't need to be... Um, I mean, it's clear that um, at least... Um, well, it's clear that some some discussion is going on between the water industry and other industries like chemicals or, or, or the pharmaceutical industry. Mm -hmm. um, it's good to see that um, you know corporates uh, can initiate that kind of, of, of discussion. 
at mm-hmm. some points, uh, governments and the European Commission in particular uh, may wish to step in. But if um, you know these industries could start that conversation, explore uh, opportunities for you know uh, win-win um, solutions, I think it's probably a, a very uh, good and promising avenue to explore further. Okay, great. Um, Xavier, thank you very much for that. Um, all of that has been very, very insightful and um, it's been great hearing about your views on, on investments. I thank you, uh, Caroline. It's been uh, lovely talking to you. Uh, I, we really value the collaboration we have with, uh, with Euro. I think, you, as I said, you're in a very unique position to uh, contribute to these uh, policy discussions uh, with your membership, with the data you can, you can provide. Uh, and just as um, uh, my sales pitch, um, the OECD convenes a roundtable on financing water, which is an ongoing uh, initiative uh, mm-hmm. with um, you know the Netherlands, uh, the World Water Council, and the World Bank. And I yeah. invite you to look at the website uh, of the roundtable on financing water, mm-hmm. where you will find further discussion on innovative um, business and uh, financing models um, for water-related investments. Okay. So that's a conversation that can go on. And do you know what the website is? So the, the, the website is uh, directly available on oecd.org slash water. Okay, great. Thank you for that. And thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Euro and ask us your water questions there. That's at E-U-R-E-A-U or visit our website at euro.org. And the next time we will be looking at how our water services are governed and how this affects how we receive these services. Until then, goodbye.